Welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. I'm your host, Michael Holman. We have a great guest with us today, Ken Holman, who's on the show. He's the one that started Oberlin Group. He has been in the real estate business for over 40 years. There is some things that he mentions in this episode that are just golden. And I think things that probably only people with 40 plus years of experience in real estate could really understand and give because the things that he says are just insightful, right? I mean, you hear a lot of, from a lot of different people, but people who've been in real estate for 40 years, they just think about real estate investing. They think about real estate differently than those of us that have been in there less than that, right? And if somebody who's been in real estate for three or four years versus 40 years, they talk, they think, they look at each scenario differently. And so you're getting some of that insight. Love it. Definitely check this one out. Before we get started, if you have not been on the website yet, I don't know how many times I got to tell you, but I am going to keep telling you executive REI show dot com check it out we would love to get your questions go and ask go ahead and ask an executive question we'll get that answered on this show you can also subscribe to the newsletter get all that real estate information right in your email once a week it's fantastic you can also go see all the previous episodes right check out the show notes check out all the resources from those shows right you can go there you can get in touch with somebody you thought oh man i gotta go meet this person i have to establish a relationship or i need to build my network Great way to do it. Go check out the show notes. So executivereishow.com. Also, go ahead and leave us a rating and review, whether you're listening on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is. We would love to get your rating and review and see how we're doing and potentially even how we can do better. So go ahead, leave us a rating. Super simple, super easy. Just click those stars button and let's go. So we are going to get right into this interview with Ken Holman. Welcome to 40 years of real estate investing, thriving in the ups and downs. Uh, we've got Ken Holman with us today. Um, we'll introduce him shortly, but we are excited to drill him on all things of his real estate investing career and life. That sounds uh, a little broad. <laughs> Well, we're going to, we're going to get into it. I promise. So, um, we'll see, we might make Ken squirm a little bit with some of the questions we ask, but we have Ken Holman with us today and just a little bit of background on Ken. Ken is the president of Overland group and has over 40 years of real estate investing experience. Um, he's developed over $350 million worth of commercial real estate. And he also holds just about really every top designation um, you can get in the real estate world. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Ken just to introduce himself a little bit before we get into the questions. Ken? Well, thanks, Mike. I, uh, I get a little nervous when somebody says they're going to grill me, but I guess I'm considered the senior member of our group, and I'm pretty excited to be with everybody today. 
both Mike and I have uh, have uh, degrees in accounting. Don't hold that against us. He has a master's in accounting. I have a master's in business administration. But we really enjoy this business. We're excited uh, that you could join us today. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so we're going to do a little things a little bit differently today. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn spend the majority of our time today doing some Q&A with Ken. Um, and we're going to get into the good, we're going to get into the bad, we're going to get into the ugly of 40 plus years of experience he's had in commercial real estate investing. So let's get right into it. First question, we're going we're gonna to start with some low ball questions, Ken. So tell us, just what's your experience in commercial real estate or CRE investing? Oh my gosh, why don't we start with something a little broad? <laughs> uh, that's like, how are you doing? It's, a, you know, a whole bunch of range of answers you could give there, but. Hey, don't worry, we'll get more specific here. <laughs> well, I started out in uh, the real estate syndication and financial planning business right out of school. I got hired by a, a fairly high powered firm and uh, they kind of put me through the paces and I gravitated to real estate. They were doing a lot of real estate investing at the time. And uh, eventually they asked me to manage a property management company. So we were managing over 5,000 units in five different states. Uh, it was a great time, but uh, they started, I was also on an investment analysis and acquisition team, and they started to get a little too aggressive with their projections for me. So made me uncomfortable. And uh, I turned in my resignation and went out, bought a new suit, started my own company the same week. So it was an <laughs> awesome. interesting beginning to a career. It sounds like that should be a movie, right? <laughs> just uh, just buy a new suit and start your own company. That's awesome. Buy a new suit, go put a lease on an office on an office property, and get started. Yep, <laughs> that's that's great. So, uh, kind of moving on to the next next question uh, as a follow up to that. So, you've invested in a lot of things. You've been around. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot happening. Really, what's, what is your favorite thing about investing in commercial real estate? Oh man, I've, I've, uh, I've acquired and invested in virtually every major property type, uh, office, industrial, retail, uh, apartments and hotels, all of them. And, uh, I think the thing that's most exciting about this business for me is uh, I love the the real estate development uh, and construction side of the business. I love being able to analyze a piece of land and acquire it and then uh, create something new that's really kind of exciting for people. I, I think there's nothing greater than uh, being able to see something come to life and and then uh, see the value begin to be created by it as people rent it up. And, and then, uh, I, guess, I don't know, I, I just like to see investors create wealth. I think that's a great program. So No, that's, uh, that's good to know. I, I'll say that I, I have a similar, I have a similar feel. I get really excited um, with everyone. So I, I definitely can relate to you. Um, 
there's kind of this like group mentality when you invest in commercial real estate, right? I mean, everybody wants to see it succeed. So it's, it's fun to yeah. be a part of that. Okay. Uh, let's go, let's go to the next question. Um, we'll give you, we'll give you a chance to brag about yourself for just a second. So have you ever had a home run deal? I mean, really what's one of the best deals that you feel like you've ever done? Well, I've had a couple, uh, maybe more than a couple, but, uh, I remember with the first big apartment deal that I put under contract, I had a large investment company come to me and say they'd pay me several hundred thousand dollars more than I, uh, than I was going to pay for the property. And at the time I thought, well, I'm not even sure how I'm going to get all the equity capital raised. I don't mind flipping this deal. And so I did in a that matter was convenient. of convenient. It, it was awesome. In a matter of a couple of weeks, I, I walked out with uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars more than I had to start with. And I thought, this is fun. How do I do this again? So yeah, that was a, a good deal. Cool. Pro probably one of my, my best deals that I ever did uh, was a new development, a 96 unit high rise apartment project that I built in downtown Salt Lake. Uh, took us several years for the, for us to, to get it where it needed to be, but uh, in the end, we'd, we'd built the project for $5 million, which is amazing in today's terms. Yeah, but, five, uh, it's 96, a high-rise 96 units. I just got to clarify. That's not- All a, concrete. Not, you meant to say that, steel. right? $5 million? I did. Oh and my that's gosh. that's exactly what it was. You really have been doing this for 40 years, building. haven't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, and- uh, and then we eventually converted it to condominiums and sold it for a multiple of almost four times that amount, which was kind of cool. But wow. I, I still feel a little sorry that we, uh, well, we sold that deal. And Wait, really? You're gonna you're gonna have to explain that one to me because that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. So, talk to me. You're, deal. Why do you why are you sorry you didn't keep it? One thing that I've learned over time with uh, real estate is it just keeps getting better and better over time if you maintain it. If you don't, then it'll deteriorate. But if if you maintain it and keep it up, the rents go up, the operating expenses go up some, but not as fast as the rents, and you pay your debt down. I mean, if I had that property today, I'd be clocking 50,000 a month in revenue, no debt. So anyway, it's just, you know, yeah, yeah. Obviously if you make 17 or $18 million, you can't feel bad about that. You end up getting a lot of money, but, but it's just real estate is such a good long-term investment. Good. Oh, that's, that's good to know. Um, so moving on, I mean, obviously there's a there's a lot happening today right i mean the the economic environment yeah, there is, sure is is felt pretty volatile we've we've been kind of going through ups we've been going through downs so how how many economic downturns have you been through oh let's see well obviously i've been through two majors uh when they did the 1986 Tax Reform Act, I, uh, that was a major economic downturn. That was uh, in, in the mid-1980s. And it, gosh, uh, I'll bet there was about 2,000 uh, 
financial institutions, and I mean big financial institutions. Two thousand. Two thousand out of about six wow. or six thousand or so. So actually went down. Yeah, and there was a ton of properties that were foreclosed on. Uh, the government created what was called the Resolution Trust Corp, and uh, affectionately known by most of us as the RTC. And so they they kind of managed the whole downturn. That was a big one. The other big one was uh, this one that they called the the Great Depression. Everybody gives me a hard time because I keep wanting to call it the Great Recession, but that whoa, was in whoa. 1929. <laughs> that was a little before my time. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So I'm okay. So the Great Recession, right? I mean, that's that seems like an obvious to me. You said the Great Depression there for a second, and I thought. Yeah. I should have switched this to, I might have need to switch this title to, to 90 years of commercial real estate investing. Yeah, 100 years of commercial real estate investing. Would <laughs> we have be Ken more. Holman with us today. He's 140 years old, everybody. Yeah, no, no. No, so just to clarify, we are talking about the Great Recession, correct? Well, yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. Not the depression. Okay. We just, just make it, we, just clarifying. None of us are, are living on oatmeal today, so... Uh, it's a great recession, but uh, that was more related to homes than it was uh, the commercial real estate, although it did impact commercial real estate a little bit. We owned several properties and it didn't really impact us that much, uh, but it sure did the home business, uh, the home market at that time. So interesting. Wait, so that I've lived through that, uh, uh, that I've seen and the, the thing that I noticed about both of them, there was a ton of opportunities that happened after those two big economic downturns. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, I bet. So I got I got two follow up questions to that. I mean, one, you had it sounds like you had a lot of foreclosures, a lot of I mean, it sounds like it was almost common practice during during the tax reform act days. You said two thousand. Correct me if I'm wrong. Two thousand financial institutions went down. I mean, yeah. Tell me. I, I'm interested in a little bit more about that. I mean, how did, how did you survive? I mean, did you have properties that, that got foreclosed on is, is these financial institutions went out of business? I mean, what, I'm, I'm interested to see what happened. I mean, how are you still here today then if, if you went through that? Yeah, it was really interesting. I, I, I never thought I would outlast companies like American Savings and Loan, which was a, 50 billion dollar organization here i am and and they are no longer but uh, talking about broadway tower which is that project that i felt like i hit a home run with uh we started that in 1984 and we honestly thought that in 1986 we were going to get foreclosed on and so i went to the savings and loan that i was working with and worked out of forbearance and then from there we were able to get uh uh, refinance a property with a HUD 223F loan, and we just worked our way through it. That's sometimes what you have to do. I don't see that happening in uh, in this current economic downturn. I don't think we're going to get to that point. I'll be shocked if we do. But the thing that I've noticed about this recession, which I think is happening uh, compared to some yeah, of the Yeah, I was going to say, those are big words right there. Yeah, compared to some of the other situations that we've had, I just see everybody working together, the federal government, the uh, 
the state, the, the financial institutions, we're all just working together. I've been amazed at how helpful they have been uh, with the properties that we've had. Uh, we, I don't want to say this, but uh, some of our projects have actually done better during this time. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, I got another follow-up question too. Um, you had mentioned during the great recession, you, you didn't feel really the full impacts of that. I mean, that was, that was major for a that significant was number of people. I mean, talk to me and kind of what you did. I mean, I, I can't imagine it not affecting you. I mean, well, you have to how, do something, right? I mean, yeah, tell, so tell me what happened. started in 2007 to 2011, right? But it was mainly, and I don't want to get political, but Congress put a lot of pressure on the financial institutions to lend money. Sometimes there wasn't a lot of uh, pre-qualification to be able to get that, to buy homes. So everybody thought it was a great idea to over leverage. I refused to get into that game. Wasn't trying to buy a high uh, home inventory at the time. And and leverage the heck out of it and then ran it out. People went through that process and then we had the subprime mortgage debacle that occurred and uh, and it took down a ton of homes. Almost every home that was over leveraged had a problem. And so I'm a huge advocate of not over leveraging your investment, even yeah, though you think you can get uh, high returns. And what we did during that time is we just pivoted uh, we had apartments, they did pretty well, especially with people that wound up getting foreclosed on. Uh, they had to move somewhere and usually they moved into apartments. And so our apartments did well and we we got into dollar store investing. So Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, uh, Big Lots, Walgreens, O'Reilly Auto Parts, just a ton of them, uh, AutoZone. And uh, we bought buildings with national credit tenants, and we just sit there and collected our collected our lease payments every month, and and didn't have a problem during that time. So yeah, that's interesting. That's I mean that's what I see with most successful companies, right? I mean, is they is they manage to to pivot? So that's yeah. Um, you that's have really to. There are times when you have to do that, but. Yeah. We want to stay in solid asset classes too. So that, uh, no, that's, that's good. I, I like that advice. So staying conservative and, and being willing to pivot is, is needed. No, that's great advice. So let's, let's keep going on to our, to our next question. So, um, and that's kind of a follow-up to the last one. So, I mean, really in, in your opinion, and in your experience, how does, how does commercial real estate investing change in economic downturns versus economic booms. I mean, you kind of talked about pivoting. Uh, maybe you can elaborate some more on that and, and the differences between downturns and booms. I guess that what happens is uh, you ought to just look at the economy the way it sits today. What, what industries are doing well and what industries aren't doing well? And those industries that are doing well are really thriving. And those industries that aren't doing well uh, are really struggling and will for some time before they come back. So things like apartments seem to be pretty stable and they seem to be doing well. Some offices may be struggling with, you know, everybody working from home and 
maybe they get the idea that that's a great idea. And so the need for office space might decline. I know that the distribution business with all of the online purchasing is just going nuts. And, uh, and I have a feeling that manufacturing is going to be coming back pretty strong uh, since China makes all our medications and drugs that we rely on. I, I have a feeling somebody's going to have a big conversation about getting the manufacturing sector up and running. So I think that's just the name of the game is just uh, uh, you have to change with the times and uh, and when the markets are really doing well, there's other opportunities and other types of real estate investments. So, I think I think that's really important. I mean, that's those are some those are some actually really good points. I mean, I feel like I feel like some of the times um, when you have the really big companies. I mean, just to just kind of go off of that um, and agree with what you're saying. I mean, you have these sometimes you have these big companies that are that are investing in real estate or really anything else and they're just they're not capable of changing they're not capable of pivoting with the market as needed and it just it brings them to their knees so that's that's yeah. a really good point i think that's uh i think that's some good advice yeah being sometimes able to you hear this term too big to fail but sometimes if you're a little smaller you're too small to fail which is nice you know you haven't <laughs> you haven't you have coined over, that term too small to fail. Yeah, you haven't you haven't over leveraged your deals and you you just uh, uh, get good solid investments and they don't all have to be in the same product type and and uh, you can weather storms. So all right, so let's let's move on and I I told you we were gonna get uh, we're gonna put you in the spot a little bit. So you've we gave you the opportunity to tell us about one of your home run deals. I want to hear about now one of your worst deals. So tell me your worst or, or one of your worst deals you've ever done. Oh my gosh, Mike. Uh, you want me to air my dirty laundry here in front of everybody? So. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I, we, we're trying to make this as real as possible. It's easy to flaunt all the good stuff, right? But I mean, I feel like you can't, there's no way you can be in this business for 40 years and not have a couple of issues. So I want to, I want to hear about those. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, back during the RTC days in the 1980s, uh, we all struggled with some properties and some, some bigger companies went down, but I'm trying to think in the last 30 years, I, you know, I've had some properties that have struggled for a period of time and then, uh, and then done well. I guess there was a time when about 25 or 30 years ago when me and three Arizona guys decided it was a good idea to buy the Jack in the Box franchise for the state of Utah uh, from a company called Food Maker. And we committed to build out, we each put up 125,000 and committed to build out the market in Utah and we got started and built our first three. And every time we build a new one, they looked gorgeous. They were wonderful properties. And we were just elated with them. And we opened them up. And, and then we'd lose 5000 a month. <laughs> and it was like, well, after you built three of those and you're losing 15000 a month, it's like, this is fun, but it's really not all that much fun. And so... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so gosh, we went, we went back to food maker and said, okay, we got some problems here. And, and we were performing well, we were at the, we were at the very top of the performance situation with, uh, they'd come in and do surprise audits and, and we were performing better than anybody in the entire LA market, which is their stronghold. We discovered, and this is a thing that relates more to real estate than the restaurant business. We discovered that we had missed our projections and we started delving into that as to why and discovered that the franchise disclosure document that we had been given had shown that all the stores were receiving advertising dollars from food maker and we were not. And so we went back to the company and said, Hey, you got to give us advertising. And, and they did for one month, they put in $50,000 and our sales shot up and we said, Hey, this is cool. Keep, keep it up. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. And so we said, okay, buy us out. At first they said, no, we're not going to do that. But we had a really good attorney that happened to persuade them otherwise. And uh, eventually they bought all our stock and inventory and everything and gave us our money back. And we still lost some money and a couple of years worth of effort and time. But uh, in the end, we were just left with three building leases that we had to, to release. So I guess that's, if you're talking about failures, that was a bad one. But so that was that was really good. I, I nobody likes to likes to lose money on a deal. To me, that that felt more like the restaurant business than the real estate business, though. So is there is there maybe can you you can go into another deal that's specific to you know real estate or commercial real estate? Uh, let me say this: every piece of real estate. It's nothing more than a vacant building if it doesn't have a business in it. And so there is basically a business in every building, even in apartments. I mean, the business is property management. You're renting apartment units to tenants who want to live there, and they're willing to pay money for that experience. And so I guess what I could say is, whether it's a restaurant business, the apartment business, the office business, the hotel business, there is always a business associated with what you're doing. And you have to make sure, uh, one of the keys is you have to make sure that the fundamentals are right, the management is right, and the tenant is right in order to make that deal a home run. Otherwise, it's it's just not. So. All right. The, you, uh, you've convinced me. So I'll... Uh... I'll give that, you a pass from hearing any more of that Mike. dirty laundry. No, that was that was a good point though. I that's not something that I could, that I had really considered where I was going, but that is a really good point. I mean, you're exactly right. Every real estate transaction is, I mean, I'm trying to the whole time you were saying that I was trying to think if I could prove you wrong, um, and think of a real estate transaction that wasn't tied to another you know business transaction. And yeah, and to be honest, I mean, you might not be. Some are easier or harder happen. to manage than others. I mean, you do a triple net lease. That's a pretty simple deal for you because all you do is collect the rent and rely on that tenant to pay the rent. But Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, that was actually I, – I, so just, just thinking about it just barely, I mean, because um, I, I, I was thinking about the triple net leases too. We, we have a few, and, yeah. and there was 
just earlier this month, I got a letter from one of our, our retail tenants that said, not paying my rent next month. Sorry. Yeah. You know, and it, and, and obviously we're, we're working through that and, and doing our best to deal with everything. But that, that actually yeah. was a business that affected the real estate behind it, you know I mean? So that's, that's a good point. You're, you're right. So, yeah. All right. We'll stick with the Jack in boxes and <laughs> losing and losing $5,000 a month. You said, so you, it was, were you only per, committed to build three? You had said you were, no, you we were uh, committed yeah, to build we were gonna market. Build, was that, we were going to build 24 of these things. Oh my gosh. But, but when we started losing 15,000 a month, we, we weren't sure if we were losing 5,000 per <clears> store every time we opened a new store, we were going to make it up on volume. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, by, by my calculation, you just needed to build out all 24 of those stores. You could have lost probably yeah, close to a hundred, $125,000. Yeah. No kidding. A month. Been I don't awesome. think we would have lasted that long <laughs> at that rate. So. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, we'll, we'll move on. Good. Good to know, right? I mean, there's good and there's bad in, in real estate. And sometimes yeah. you, you, just, you like deal every, with just like every other investment. So. Exactly. So moving on to the next question, what's your advice to commercial real estate investors during volatile economic times? I mean, if you're, if you were thinking, maybe you were thinking about investing in commercial real estate and you're saying, well, I don't, I don't know right now. I mean, is your advice to, to wait? Is your advice to just plow on. I mean, what advice would you give to, to people who are, this is one of their main things that they're trying to do to build wealth for the future. What do they do during these times? Well, to be honest with you, I, I take a little bit of the Warren Buffett approach to life, buy when everybody's selling and sell when everybody's buying. And so while we're going yeah, through roughly. this, I have been canvassing every market that I have targeted and I've targeted about 15 of them that I really like. And I have been looking for opportunities. You know, I'm not ready to announce what I've got yet, but I, I have to say I've got a deal that I'm making an offer on today that I absolutely love. The developer was a, a small developer, hadn't been in the apartment business and got over his skis a little bit. And I'm getting a deal that uh, is appraised for more than a million dollars more than it's going to cost me to buy. So I think there are some opportunities in these times, but I, whether they're good times or tough times, I think the cardinal rules have to be don't over leverage, be careful of the types of investments that you get in. You always want to have a, a margin of safety on the equity side. And then you have to be you know, you have to have a reasonable cash reserve. You don't have to go crazy with that because it, it really messes up your returns. But, but you have to be able to weather at least a mild storm. That's good advice and uh, interesting. I mean, that's cool about the that's cool about the offer. So, yeah, uh, I I have a follow up question to that, and you, and you almost answered it in your last one, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it now. What kind of commercial real estate have you invested in during times like these and succeeded if there, I mean, if there's any, I mean, I, I'm just as interested if there's not any times that you've succeeded, but, but yeah, what kind of commercial real estate do you invest in? Well, I've, I guess number one, the rule location, 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 which is overused is always important. So whatever real estate you get into, you want to do your best to, to get a good location. But 
barring that, I have found that apartments tend to be really good investments. I found that uh, triple net leases, even though you got to be really careful with the retail business, if you get in the right locations, you can do well with a triple net lease situation. I haven't done much lately with industrial, but boy, it's sure tugging on me to try to want to get into that side of the business. We're in self-storage and I think of as long as you get well-located properties on high traffic streets, you can probably do fairly well with self-storage. Although, you know, I can make cases both pro and con of, of self-storage or some of these others, but uh, frankly, I really like apartments. Cool. Good enough. So if I were to boil it down, right, and make this really clear for everybody, are you saying right now your go-to or in, or in volatile times, your go-to investment would be apartments? Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And let me qualify that a little bit. Since there's so much in, interest in apartments, I have noticed that, you know, everybody wants to use the term value add and they always want to find an apartment project that somebody hasn't uh, taken care of and they're able to buy it at a low price, go in, do cosmetic fix-ups, turn around, hold it for a while, get it leased up and then sell it for this huge profit. I mean, they're still some opportunities out there for that, but you run across a lot of issues with that too. I mean, you're, you're buying older properties, you wind up uh, inheriting a certain amount of functional uh, uh, obsolescence, which means, you know, ceiling height may be different, they may or may not have garages, they may have amenities or not amenities. I mean, there's a whole bunch of a range of issues that can arise. I love if you're in a situation where demand exceeds supply, I love building new apartment developments. Okay. You have to be patient through that process, but you create a ton of value when you can build at cost and then everybody wants to buy at market because you've stabilized it and rented it up. So yeah, so that's probably my go-to. Okay, good to know. So we're going to keep this moving. I had to ask, you've, you've had a lot of commercial real estate investing and it seems like everybody has a story or two. So have you had any just, just weird or crazy experiences? I've had a few crazy experiences, some that relate to real estate and some that don't. I talked my eight-year-old brother one time to uh, take off all his clothes and, r and run around the house. And he did it and I locked him out of the house. I thought it was a lot more funny than he did. <laughs> yeah. But so that was a crazy experience, but okay. really didn't relate to real estate. Uh, well, is <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. That is not, that is not <laughs> what I was expecting. So I, if you have another, do you have any related to, to oh, real estate? Think. If not, yeah. that's okay. We'll move on. We can end. <laughs> <laughs> with everybody having the image of your eight-year-old brother running outside naked of his house. <laughs> you, you might end there, but. Uh, and so, we're done, guys. Everybody can go home. That's all you need to know from us. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, just kidding. I do have a funny experience that happened. So I was down uh, doing a due diligence inspection, inspection on a 
an apartment project in Houston, Texas that we were going to buy. And for anybody that knows Texas, it's the wild, wild west. They don't even have any zoning laws down there. So you can pretty much build whatever you want, where you want. But anyway, I was doing this inspection with the manager and going around every apartment unit. And I noticed in the background, uh, way down at the other end of the complex, that there was this lady leading a horse. And I thought, well, I wonder if there's a corral back here where she's keeping that. So we went and explored and uh, discovered that she was boarding her horse in the second bedroom of her apartment. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'd never seen anything quite like that before. It was, it was. Uh, no, no, no. She was boarding her horse. She absolutely. In, I mean, in the unit. Level, there were ground level units. And for one, some reason, she thought it was a good idea to buy a horse and board it in the second bedroom. And, and I was. Was it a miniature horse? It, no, this was a full sized, honest to goodness horse. And I thought, oh my gosh. Uh, that said a lot about the manager if, uh, how do you miss a horse, you know, on your project? And so other, the other neighbors around her were just keeping quiet about it, but it was, it was crazy. Well, I have we so many questions. Car, oh my gosh. It, 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 honestly, it smelled like, it smelled like a, uh, a barn. In the end, needless to say, I did buy the project, but. Okay, that but was gonna be my next question. I did, I bought the project. I did fire the manager because I, I felt like if she couldn't catch a horse on her property, there was, there was maybe some issues, and uh, I changed the pet policy. Nothing under a thousand pounds. So anyway, it was. Oh my gosh! It was that... pretty hilarious, but yeah. Okay. But I, I am interested how it's how it's working out for you if you're keeping it in your bedroom. Yeah. I was not expecting that, but so let's, let's keep this going. So what's one investing commercial real estate investing mistake that you've made and that you would tell others to avoid? You know, I mentioned a little while ago about self-storage and sometimes you get in your mind that every property type is like every other property type and you bring your education experience and influence to that new property type you want to get into. So I thought self-storage was just like, just like apartments and you build it, they will come. I discovered that traffic plays a critical role in self-storage. You've got to have good perspective drive-by renters coming by your place. Otherwise you spend a fortune on uh, online advertising just to drive the business to it. So I guess one thing that I would suggest to everybody is if you don't know that product type or that property type that you want to invest in, you better read a ton of information on it and you better talk to everybody you can to find out exactly what it's, uh, what that property type is like and what the nuances are with that type of property. So you don't get yourself uh, caught in a situation where you just think you know everything and in reality uh, you find that uh, you don't know as much as you thought you did so that's a good point good advice and uh, can I say one other thing too Mike sure. uh, back in the late 1970s a long time ago 
I was working for this great company who uh, had high-powered uh, attorneys, MBAs, financial planners, guys like that. And they looked at the apartment market and said, we don't think that apartments are going to continue to grow like they develop like they are now. So we're going to, we're going to hunker down a little bit. And in hindsight, for a bunch of smart guys, that was the dumbest decision I've ever seen. Markets will ebb and flow, but do I think that six months or a year from now, the market's going to be tanked and uh, everything's going to be down and we're not going to continue to develop and build and grow. And that's just not going to happen. We are going to continue to, we are going to continue to grow and develop and and uh, that entrepreneurial spirit that we have is definitely not dead. You're really interesting. So let's get on to the last question. Um, what is the best advice you ever got when it, in relation to commercial real estate investing? And will you share that with everyone else? <laughs> yeah, I, I probably better not tell any more uh, family stories. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I started out, I was working with attorneys, financial planners, insurance agents, stockbrokers, guys like that. And I learned early on that they know nothing about real estate investing. Fortunately, I was able through the school of hard knocks and the education that I had and just uh, teaching and developing and growing in the real estate business the way I have, I was kind of able to uh, mentor myself in that regard. And I have learned so much. Uh, you know, over 40 years, I am more convinced today than I ever have been that real estate is one of the absolute all-time best investments anybody can have. And I shouldn't say this because stockbrokers will tell you don't put more than five to 15% of your investment capital into, into real estate. And I'm saying if you don't have about 50% of your investment capital in income producing quality real estate investments, you're doing yourself a disservice. You avoid all the volatility and you put yourself in a position where you can live out the rest of your life in comfort without worrying about the ups and downs of the stock market. But I guess, yeah. I guess, you know, that's a good place to close, but. Uh, so, so is that your advice for everyone? Well, I think, you know, uh, save 10% of what you make, make sure the investments you get in, uh, have leverage and compounding. Then you make sure that when you're investing, you invest with uh, uh, wise people that know how to handle your money and they're skilled at, uh, at keeping it safe. And then don't expect impossible returns. Uh, just don't over leverage your, your investments. And I, I guess that would be the advice I would give to anybody is to follow those principles. They're, they're pretty good ones. Love it. Love it. And I completely agree. So uh, as we kind of wrap up, Ken, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, probably just to get on our website, uh, Overland Group Inc. All of our contact, all of my contact information is on there. Uh, you can reach me by sending me an email at kholman at overlandcorp.com. 
www.ethicsmith.com or give me a call. I'm probably one of the few that'll put out my phone number, but (laughs) 801-231-6650. And yes, I still answer my phone. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Ken, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.